direct from Music City, this is live from Nashville. Well, ever since the day that time began, there's been this thing between a woman and a man. Well, I don't know, but I do believe that started in the garden with Adam and Eve. Triumphing at life, I have their fling, so she cut his hair and clipped his wing. It don't matter how the story's told, love stays young, you can't go. Tennessee, and we have some fantastic guests. 
that we're going to be bringing on the show today. Tell us who our first guest is. Oh, man. We are so lucky doing this show because we get introduced to um, amazing musicians and artists. And this time, Gary Holt, through this show, we were able to actually meet one of our neighbors here here in Nashville. We're just so close to this new friend. Uh, We want to welcome to our show Dave Lenahan who came to Nashville with his wife from Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, he, has, he has also spent his career in radio, country radio, and um, visiting Dave's website. It's called The Dave Connection, and I think it's such a perfect name because learning about him, I see that he has a podcast. He has a radio show with news from Nashville. His podcast focuses on connecting and interviewing songwriters, And then Dave's latest project is something that we'll be featuring today on Live from Nashville. It's a new EP produced by our friend, Gary, um, Ren Renfrey, and it's a new EP called Or Something Like That. So please welcome to Live from Nashville, Dave Linehan. How are you, Dave? I better open his mic or we're not going to work. Now you're there. Now you're there. I was sitting there just listening to Mary Kay. Yeah, now we can. I said I was just fascinated by what she had to say, and I forgot to open your mic. It's like, I'm like, who's she talking about? Yeah, this guy. This guy is awesome. Person? This guy is awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks Good for morning. making me sound better than I deserve. Good morning. How are oh, you? Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, pretty great. I cannot believe we're neighbors. We're like a seven iron away from each other. It's, it's pretty amazing. I know. Just down the street. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 really yeah. weird because we've got there's so many people that are right here in Hermitage uh that are in the music amazing, business. Isn't it? it it really is yeah. amazing. But uh it's just yep. all over this town. You know, Dave, Mary yep. Kay Indeed. came from Utah and uh her mom and dad actually live here in Nashville. A lot of people are not aware of the fact that Mary Kay had roots here in Nashville uh, at, at any rate, but she was thirty some mm-hmm. odd years she lived in Utah before she wow. married this old guy and I drug her back to Nashville. But she has fit right yeah. in with the music industry right here. And uh so I'm looking Great. forward to you, I'm looking forward to you guys getting together and doing doing some writing and see oh, what comes too. up. Yeah, oh, yeah. I would love that. Come come right down Tulip Grove and uh, be on my podcast and, and let's write. We yeah. write around my dining room table. There's a lot of creativity there. That's my own studio. So oh, I love we've got it. tremendous sound in there too. So yeah, oh, gosh. love to have you over. Yeah. Well, this EP is so much fun, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and you've released a couple of songs already from that. One is, yeah. and I'm going to kick off the show, your segment of this show with this song, but this Squirrel Train. I mean, <laughs> I was seeing squirrels everywhere for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. How did this How did this song I, come about? Well, um. I write a lot with an artist out of uh, Arkansas. Her name is Pamela Hopkins, and she travels all over the world. She's an amazing, amazing artist. And we've been writing together for a few years now. And uh, she was over at my house with another good friend in songwriter, Scott Barrier, who's just a genius. And we were talking one day, and I was saying I wanted to write a train song. I was wanted to write a train song, but I said, it's a, it's a long train. I have a very short attention span. We start la- laughing about uh, being ADD. And Pamela says, well, you know, I'm just like that, too. She goes, in fact, you, I don't know if you know this, but my band is called Squirrel Train just for that reason. You know, Squirrel oh, wow. right? 
Oh, and goodness. so Scott and I, we look at each other and we go, oh, we've got to write her a theme song. And uh, <laughs> we did. And so we, you know, so everybody can identify and have squirrel train moments when you hop that train and you can't remember what's going on, right? Uh, that's so right. That's we write. Right. We write this song, and Pamela and I both recorded it. Pamela's version, it's really hot, up, upbeat, uh, different version. And her song uh, went all the way to number one on an Australian chart. We were oh, so wow. happy about that. So I released it in January. And uh, I'll tell you, I get every day in my email or on my Facebook, I get pictures of a squirrel in some kind of trouble doing something. <laughs> I trust I try to post them all. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a squirrel thing. <laughs> it has been a squirrel thing. Let's take a listen to Squirrel Train and come back and talk more with Dave today on Live from Nashville.
Mr. Dave Lenahan is our special guest. And uh, Dave, I don't know about you, but we got a ton of swirls down here, uh, down Tulip Grove <laughs> Road. Do, How about you? Oh yeah, we certainly do. Hanging off our bird uh, feeders and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, they did. Man. They would never have made it through life if they had been out in the country where I was before I came here because we would have had squirrel yeah. dumplings or something, but uh, not so here. Squirrel gravy and biscuits. Squirrel, that's right. That is right. Well, Mary Kay was yeah. talking about the fact that she came down from Ohio, uh, rock and yeah. roll capital of the world. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, let's talk a little bit about your early life, you know. Mm-hmm. Were you were you a singer? Were you a songwriter early on? Did it go right into the uh, the radio world? How did how did your journey develop? No, no, I, I always loved music. Uh, sang at church with my with my mother, uh, who was always in the church choir. My brother and I were guitar players, so we we grew up Catholic. And when they started putting the guitar masses together, we used to play guitar yeah. uh, in church. Yeah, so we started in church, and and my brother was an amazing uh, musician and had perfect pitch and he could just hear it and play it. You know, that those kind, don't you hate him? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My so son was my, like my that. Brother, yeah. Was he? Yeah. He, he yeah. was absolutely amazing. And so I'd tell him, Hey, could you learn this song? And he would learn it and show it to me. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, awesome. me, I always wanted to ex- explore different uh, things, you know, and different melodies and progressions. And so I think for me, uh, you know, writing songs, it, it happened kind of early. And then I learned that I wasn't going to be a professional musician, you know, so I thought the next best thing would be to play my favorite songs on the radio. And there so I you went go. the radio route in college. Yeah. There so, you go. And I did that for a lot of years. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was so really, kind of really fortunate. With that, sir? No, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. I was going to say I was really fortunate to uh, to get a job in Cleveland at one of the first stations that went country, you know, again, we're, we're rock and roll capital of the world. And, um, and this little station still exists today. It's called WOBL just outside of Cleveland. And so I worked there for a lot of years and was their program director and moved on. And, um, we kept moving South a little further South. We ended up in Cincinnati, uh, worked there for 25 years in radio and then here to Nashville. So it's kind of how the progression went. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, welcome, welcome. We're glad you're in Nashville. And uh, how did the how did the songwriter rounds develop for you? Because you really put on some neat rounds at the Twelve Keys uh, right here in Hermitage, and then you you participate yeah. in rounds yourself all over town. Really, how did that start yeah. for you? One of my favorite things to do. I guess that started in Cincinnati. Um, I was invited when I was working in radio to talk. Uh, to this group called NSAI, which is the Nashville Songwriters Association International, very strong right. chapter in Cincinnati. And I went into this room full of people, like 60 people, and we talked about songs and charting and how it all works. And I was just amazed that this group dedicated to writing better songs existed. And I'm like, sign yeah. me up. So I I became a member right away, eventually was a coordinator uh, in Cincinnati and just made a lot of trips and what we decided is, you know, we we were enamored with the Bluebird and how they do the in the rounds there. Right, so we right. We decided to start doing that in Cincinnati. We found a little place, and we used to do in the rounds in Cincinnati and invite oh, right. writers up. It turned into a little east side of Cincinnati festival every year where we had lots of pros come up. 
And then we were coming down to Nashville a lot to write with NSAI and, and different writers. And eventually, uh, Patty and I just decided we had to live in Nashville. And it was the best move we ever made. We love it here in Music City. We really yeah. do. Yeah. We do. Well, so, um, yeah. And the 12 Keys, well, uh, they just opened up down the street. I popped in for lunch one day, and I said, hey, I, I would love to host a songwriter around here. And Mo, who owns the place, they call it a beer joint with a music problem. He goes, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what I'm looking yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, yeah. yeah. Well, that's one of the neat things about Nashville is that um, that you can find music almost every night of the week somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there are yeah. so many writers' rounds that are going on all around town now that it's just, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's just mm-hmm. a treat. And uh, you can really get exposed to some great music, some great new young artists that are out Damn. there. And there's so many. Oh, so much talent in this town. Oh, so many. Tell everybody, Gary and Mary Kay, is that, you know, maybe you're not in Nashville. And so what do you do? Well, start your own. You know, find you a go. little place and um, and start oh, playing. True. Put together a little sound round, you know, um, and do it. Do what you love, <laughs> you know. Amen to yeah. that. Amen to that. Well, I want to get to another song because we're going to try to get sure. to a few songs during this show or this segment of the show while we're here. Louisville Slugger, yeah. tell us about this one. Yeah. Well, um, I tell you, this song has been around a while, uh, and, and this was written by a lot of those guys in Cincinnati. There's there's three other co-writers on this song, and we always used to meet our friend of mine's house, uh, Greg Altamer, who's Greg and Tim and I lived within two miles of each other, and I met him through NSAI. We I, we wouldn't have known each other otherwise, you know. Wow. And we were over there one night, and we'd just come back from Nashville, and passing uh, from Nashville uh, to Cincinnati, you got to go through Louisville, and I'm a huge baseball fan. The Louisville Slugger Museum is in there, and one day we stopped, and I, I wanted to write a song about a baseball bat. And the idea originally was to write it from the well, – I like to look at different angles, right? The the original idea was to write it from the perspective of the baseball bat, you know? <laughs> you know, it started started as a tree, and it floated down the stream to Louisville, turned down on a lay, the whole thing. And um, we had a version of the song, but, but then we – it, it, over the years, it grew into this story about a boy and his bat. And uh, the interesting thing about this, uh, when we first recorded the work tape on this, Tim Skeen, uh, one of the co-writers, was at my house, and we were laying down uh, the tracks. And at the end of it, he, he, he sang it. He sang some few words wrong, and he just sang and he went, or something like that, and we died laughing. You know, <laughs> and at the end of every work tape to this day, I go or something like that, or something like that, and, and that was the name of the album, it, it, and that's yeah. the name of the album. <laughs> that's the, the name song, of the album. So. All right, well, let's take a listen to Louisville <laughs> so, Slugger. We're going to come back and talk more with Dave Linehan today. You're listening great. to Live from Nashville, heard around the world. It was hanging down at Miller's Sporting Goods, <laughs> thirty inches of solid wood. Turned down on a lead Signed by Willie Mays Was like no other And it found its way to me Underneath a Christmas tree When I was eight years old I'd beg Santa Claus and my mother I 
Are you there? Is my mic on? Your mic's on. His mic's on. Okay. <laughs> That's just a great song. You know, it just it's a song that just brings nostalgia. And um, oh. so can you can you hear song? me now? I think I think I might yeah. have, I've got, I'm I'm on the phone here and I I think my cheek must have hit the mute button. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, <laughs> It happens. It happens. Thank you for the words, Mary Kat. Appreciate that. And uh, that song has always so, been special to me. And I, before we go any further, I've got to thank Ren Renfrey for really finding the sound I was looking for. You know, I wanted more of a, an Americana feel to my record. And, and boy, I'll yeah. tell you, he's, 
he's so talented, and the tracks that he put together were just amazing. And then we used a lead guitar player named Stevie C. We call him Stevie Cervensic, who's also from Cleveland, as it so happens. Oh, wow. And he played... He plays lead guitar for a lot of uh, people in town, including Jeffrey Steele. He's, he's in Jeffrey Steele's hot band. Um, so we were really proud to have him on the record, too. All those lead guitars are RCDC. So, yeah. Great album. It is a great album. Well, and Rain Renfrey, if you're listening out there, my friend, we'll brag on you a little bit more after a while. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. And and Andy, too. They're, they're wonderful people. I'm so they sad. Are. They used to live right in between us, you know. And they I moved know. To Mexico. You know, the yeah. nice thing is, is that when we when we head out west, we can just drop in at Alamogordo, and they've got a room waiting for us. So that's that's there cool. That, that's a cool. Let's thing. crash their place. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Sounds like fun. We're here. You know. All right. Yeah. We brought guitars. Yeah. I have a question for you, uh, because Answer. you have. You know, you spent so many years in radio playing other mm-hmm. people's music. What was it like for you the first time that you heard yourself and one of your songs being played on the air? Oh, yes, it was like, it was so emotional. Um, you know, uh, my first Nashville cut was a song called Baby I'm Gone by Chancey Williams. And Chancey's making his Opry debut April 22nd. I'm so proud of him. Oh, wow. And he did a song... A song that I co-wrote with a guy named Greg Althammer, who also co-wrote um, Louisville Slugger with me. And the first time I heard it on the radio was on that little station I worked for in Cleveland. And I just like, I, I, like I was, it brought me to tears. I can't believe that's the song I wrote. <laughs> just crazy. Uh, yeah. What so, about for your for your own for your own music for your own song? You know. I got to be honest with you. I never considered myself any kind of a singer. <laughs> so when I hear it, I kind of cringe. Like, no. <laughs> it's it's uh, no auto-tuning, folks. I sound that bad. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, you sound great. You sound great. It's really oh, funny because, great. you know, because uh, uh, Mary Kay does not like to hear herself sing. Yeah. So when I Identified when I'm playing uh when I'm playing a video of hers or if I'm if I'm just playing some of her music it's like she has to leave the room she she doesn't like to listen to it. And uh that's something most... we share Mary Kay I swear if you ever figure out why let me know. But it was the same thing <laughs> I know, when I worked right? in radio. I you know like I, I do a lot of commercials and I hear when my commercials come on I'd have to turn the monitor down I don't want to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what oh, it is. Uh, gosh. Is it? I know. And eventually, I guess you just got to say it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I kind of like so. to go back and listen to the shows so I can see how many screw-ups I have and try to remember it correctly <laughs> the next time, you know. It's like I've got to work on this just a little bit. I've got to work on this just a little bit. There's another song I want to oh, get through. And uh, it's one called If I Were a Song. This is a little bit of a different flavor. Tell us about this song. Well, um, a really good friend of mine, Billy Lee, Billy Lee had a huge hit with Gary Allen. He wrote The One, which was the song that really helped to launch Gary Allen's career. And Billy was the first pro pro writer that that I wrote with consistently here in Nashville. And he's to this day uh, just a real dear, dear friend. And then I got to meet a guy named Michael... Uh, Saletta, I used to work at Ryman Auditorium 
uh, when I retired, I, I took a job at Ryman so I could tell my stories. <laughs> you know, and I, I loved right. working at the historic yeah. Ryman. And so I was a tour guide for a while, and then I worked in the record booth where you could make a, a record. You know, we had some tracks laid down by the by the Grand Old Opry Band, and then you can add your voice to it, or you could pick up a guitar from the wall and play one of your original songs. Wow! But one day. This guy and his uh, wife from Australia come in. He picks up a guitar off the wall. He plays a song and blows me away. And his name was Michael Saletta. And Michael and Sarah are dear friends today. And we just stayed in touch all these years. He's in the process of moving here to Nashville. An amazing songwriter. He's been winning through NSAI and getting around uh, when he's in town. And during COVID, we wrote a lot on Zoom uh, from Melbourne, Australia. So it'd be okay. Billy and I and, and Michael writing together, and that's how this song came about. It was an idea I had that 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 started, um, and then we all worked on it together, and it, it uh, uh, came about. Um, I was just really proud of that right and and what we put into it, so I knew I had to re- record that. And again, big thanks to, to Ren for finding the sound that fits this song. And this will be the next single. Uh, it will come out July 11th, and then we're going to release the whole CD on uh, on July 11th. That coincides with a performance I'm doing at the Bluebird Cafe that night. So, all right. So this is coming up July 11th, and you kind of got a a sneak peek here. You're on, getting uh, a Natural little uh, premiere of this whole there album, and it's a great one, by the way. So let's take a listen to this one from Thank Dave Linehan. Appreciate if I were a song. I'd be the first thing to run through your mind when you wake up in the morning. And I'd be with you all day long. If I were a song, I'd be the last one to be with you when the day's done. If only I were a song, I'd be the melody burns in your memory. I won't let go And I'd be the poetry Rhythm, the energy With a lyric that takes you home And makes you sing along If I were a song If I were a song I'd be on your playlist Had a bad day i help you get over that kind of song Yeah, I'd be the melody Burns in your memory Like a feeling that won't let go Yeah, I'd be the poetry Rhythm of the energy With a lyric that takes you home And makes you sing along If I I 
Beautiful song, Dave. Thank you, Mary Kay. I appreciate that. So, can you tell me it's about? I think you mentioned your co-writers on this before, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Billy Lee, uh, who wrote Gary Allen's big song, "The One," and Michael Saletta of Melbourne, Australia, soon to oh, be of Nashville, Tennessee. Awesome. Oh, how yeah. exciting! Yeah. Yeah. You know, so with songwriting, um, I before I had moved to Nashville, I had done most of my songwriting just solitary. Um, Mm -hmm. I was singing Western folk music, and so I would just compose my music at home and then take it to a studio. And I'd always admired the songs that were coming out of Nashville. And to be a part of the songwriting process here has been a real real education for me. Um, You Mm -hmm. were saying that your first introduction to the songwriting community was through NSAI, correct? That's right. Nashville Songwriters Association International. Great group. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that you just came in with the right group of songwriters to learn, you know, the the art of songwriting. So, you know. I'm very fortunate to have uh, come in with a great class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. um, So your songwriting sessions. Do you open up to new songwriters, or do you have a set group that you write with? I do have a set group that I, that I love to write with, but I'm always open to, to write with new uh, uh, talent. And um, you just never know when that magic is going to happen. So I like to get everybody right. in a room, uh, you know, three. Uh, three. I like – I think ideally three, but two and three. Sometimes I've had four. Um, and what I've learned here – and, again, this is a Nashville thing. I'm, you were used to writing – um, by yourself, and so was yeah. I until uh, I, I met the folks at NSAI. Uh, and I, if, if you listen to my podcast, The Songwriter Connection, we talk about this a lot in Nashville. We cure you of that solo writing. <laughs> we cure you of it real quick because you find out you find out that two and three heads are better than one. And uh, I know. You know it's all about when you're writing a song. It's all about where you put the camera. It's all that perspective, you know. And so we come up yeah. with an idea, and and then we look at it from all the different angles. Where is it best to put that camera? How are we going to approach this? You know, like in Louisville Slugger. Right. Eventually, we thought first. At first, we thought it was going to be about the baseball bat. You know, finding the boy, and uh, then you know, and then it evolved into something completely different. So, and it's it's just the magic of songwriting. It's it, I I love it. I mean, some people like to play I golf. Too. I I. I love to write songs. <laughs> it's just such a challenge to me, and I do it just about every day. About every day, I have a songwriting appointment. Uh, even oh, really? that on my podcast, that. yeah, a, a, a daily. It's a daily thing, and um, and I just love it absolutely. So, 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 so do you? Uh, do you? Yeah, go ahead, Mary Kay. Um, Dave was. You were mentioning that your favorite number in a songwriting um, session is three, and. After yeah. working in Nashville, three really uh-huh. is a magic magic number. Can you tell the audience why? Well, I think first it, first and foremost, I think a lot of times when you're writing uh, with two folks, 
you might you might hold really precious to an idea. You throw out this idea and you go, well, it's got to be this way. And the other guy goes, well, no, uh, I think it should be this way. Well, when you're writing in threes, you've got a tiebreaker. <laughs> there you, <laughs> you know go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So that helps. Yeah. So I always find that, that with, with three in a songwriting session, um, when there's two, you get to this point where you you've written your first verse. You've written your chorus. Mm-hmm. You might mm-hmm. have even gotten into your second part of your verse, your second mm-hmm. verse. But then there's like this brain fatigue that sets in. And for me as a writer, when I was by myself, that's when I would get up and make a sandwich, you know, and yeah. go do something that's else. That's a good thing. But you're, yeah, get but up, you've got get away from it for a while. Schedule. Yeah, <laughs> and that's so what you do. With three people, three people can pull you through that, that slump, that mm-hmm. songwriting, because it does happen in every song. There's this part of you that thinks, would this song be better served if we just let it marinate for a couple of weeks? That's and the, sometimes the you have to do that. Set it. another, and you know, yeah, you set true. another appointment and come back to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So. But there is also mm-hmm. merit for just finishing it. And yeah, um, yeah. so with three, the chances of finishing is are a lot higher. They are. <laughs> with two. It is. Absolutely. And then sometimes you think it's finished and you get back together and they always say the greatest songs are, are rewritten. And, you know, like yes. in Louisville Slugger, I bet we rewrote that song four times. Yeah. So, wow. you know, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I visit with artists and they, they some people say, well, I, I woke up and wrote a song and finished it. Yeah. Or other I've artists, it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I write, I put it aside. I may go back a year later. And come back to mm-hmm. it and finish the song. So I guess it's Absolutely. different for every song and a little bit different for every uh, every writer. That uh, it really is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, I want to get to another song because we're starting to get kind of close on time, and um, okay. I'm going to have to have you back because hey, you know I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about uh, how do you pitch a song. I mean, you okay. know. Where do you where yeah. do you go with that? I just, so. I just found out that sometimes you know songs just have a life of their own. Sometimes you never know what's going to happen. I Thank just you. found out uh, day before Easter that a Dove Award winning Grammy multiple Grammy Award winning gospel act is recording a song I wrote with uh, a friend of mine named Melissa Lee. It was just a, a two of us wrote a gospel song and they're cutting it. I can't believe it. And wow. out of the blue, I get so this cool. this this email with the song, a rough copy of them singing the song. I won't tell you who it is yet, oh but um, uh, we're really, we're really excited about this one. So, well, uh, my question, because we have, we have, a, since this is my show, I have a little more time because I can take it. <laughs> but, uh-huh. <laughs> but, so in this particular case, how did they hear, how, uh-huh. how did they find out about your song? Well, this was interesting. The, when we did the, uh, we're taping the demo on this song. It was produced by a guy who is in this group, <laughs> and he okay. just liked the song. All right. And uh, and this was like two, maybe three years ago. So it was in the back of his mind. And when they came together to record oh. again, he pitched it to the guys, and they said, "Hey, yeah, let's do that one." All like, right. Oh. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of the reason for all my podcast, the Nashville really Connection. Yeah. Yeah. The Nashville Connection. It, well, it let's is, talk about yeah, let's talk about, about your networking. podcast real quick. Your podcast sure. uh-huh. and your website, because we are we are starting to run out of time now, and I, and I want to. Okay. All right. I, 
But we're going to have to have you come back. But uh, So give uh, us yeah, your website time. first. I love your website yeah. title. It's, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, the Dave Connection, I've had this connection thing. Uh, we used to do this show uh, on TV in Cincinnati. It was called Nashville Songwriters Connection. So when I started okay. the podcast, um, I just called it the Nashville. I just called it Songwriter Connection. And then my radio show, which is heard on a, in a couple of markets, St. Louis and Cleveland, uh, is just called Nashville Connection. Um, and okay. it's just the news from Nashville. So I thought the logical thing would be call it the Dave Connection, and we'll put my music in there and links to the radio show and the podcast and my music and where I'm playing, where you can see me. So uh, so check it out if you would. I appreciate it. All right. Well, it, it is yeah. it is great. You've got a great website, and uh, and you. be sure and listen to the podcast, and that is pretty cool. So you'll find out more about the answers to some of the questions that I had uh, on his podcast. So be sure and visit yep. that as well. But Dave, we're going to have to get together Thank since we're just like a stone's throw away from each other and uh, thoroughly have enjoyed having you on the show today. And so we're going to wrap this segment of the show up with uh, ball tires. That is an interesting <laughs> title. Yeah. Tell us about this song. Well, um, my friend Greg Matthews, who we call the mayor of 12 Keys, um, <laughs> really great. Everybody loves Greg. He's hilarious. He and a friend, Zach Kennard, came over to write around my dining room table one day in my little studio. And Kennard um, throws out this idea. He goes, I want to write a song about my bald tires on my truck. Because every time I turn around, I got bald tires. And so when you're pitching ideas, you know, you're thinking about, you're thinking about where you can go with that idea. And and Greg all of a sudden looks up and he goes, "Wow, I've been riding around on bald tires my entire life, so I'm in. I'd like to write that." <laughs> and they both look at me. It's up to me, right? And I go, "Well, I've been bald most of my life. <laughs> I'm not bald anyway. <laughs> well, it's not quite the same thing, but let's do it." And it was the first song that Greg ever co-wrote, and he recorded it. And it was recorded by an artist named Ben Gerald, and then I recorded it. So this is the third version that's been recorded oh, wow. of Vault Tires. Awesome. So. Wow, wow. Well, it's absolutely yeah. great. You have been great Thank to be you. on the show today. We're going to listen to Ball Tires, and when we come <laughs> back, we're going to be talking with Miss Susie Blue. You're listening to Live from Nashville. Dave, thanks so much. Thank you, Gary. Found some change in the ashtray Had just enough gas Pull my hot date with Amy From my homeroom class I burned the last of my rubber Down to Sycamore Street Nearly made it to heaven In that Chevy black seat I wish the road was smooth as my dress I've had all that I needed, not all I desire I get there one day with these four old ball tires 
really bad day for that Maypop blow. If I'm late one more time, then they're letting me go. I'm a one-man pit crew and I slap on the spare. I clock in right at the whistle on the wing and the bridge.
were you listening to jazz mostly, or were you listening to pop, or what, what were you listening to? Well, my grandmother was a music teacher and a singer, and she sang a lot of jazz when I was growing up, and she played the piano. And okay. uh, one of her favorite singers was uh, Billy. Uh, 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 she liked the Ink Spots. That was her all-time favorite band. But then, okay. you know, she also liked Billy Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald and the Greats. Now, her husband, my grandpa, was a truck driver, and he listened to a lot of old country music. So I heard both of those art forms <laughs> growing up. Quite a combination. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah quite a combination. Wow. Wow. So when you got started, Solitaire, how old were you when you got started singing uh, uh, out in the public? You know, do you remember your first, do you remember your first gig? My first gig was in high school. I started performing um, I was doing singing telegrams, <laughs> and that really wasn't a gig, but I, I dressed up as Marilyn Monroe, and then I would sing some of the Marilyn wow. Monroe material. And then oh, wow. when I was about 18, I joined a jazz group, uh, which was a local jazz group, and I wasn't old enough to go in the bars. So I put on a lot of makeup and dressed provocatively <laughs> so they would let me in the bar because the drinking age was 21. <laughs> wow. But they let me in because uh, I could sing, and I would just sit there and drink soda, you know? I got you. Yeah. I got you. I got you. So do you remember the first place? Do you remember your first place that you performed? Uh, my first jazz gig was at the Winter Inn in my hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Wow. That was my wow. first official jazz gig, and I was 18 years old or 19 years old, so that would have been 1986. All right. And and how much did you make from that gig? Do you remember? Uh, I got dinner, and I got, I think, $15. <laughs> and all the You're soda right. that I wanted. All the soda that you could drink. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is so cool. That is so cool. And well, case, you they have... don't pay much more now. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, gosh. Well, tell us about Blue Train. How did the album come to be? Well, I've been working as a jazz singer in Chicago for about 20 years. And my husband and I moved to northwest Indiana, which is just on the opposite side of downtown Chicago, because we wanted to start a dog rescue, and we wanted to buy a place in the country with some acreage so that we okay. could let the dogs run. We rescue border collies, and they need a lot of places to run. Oh, yeah. yeah. So hey. I started hearing a lot of Western music when we moved to Indiana, because it's more rural than Chicago. And um, I started hearing the old country music, and it reminded me of my grandpa and what he used to like when I was a kid. So I started listening to Cindy Walker, and I thought, well, gosh, wouldn't it be great uh, to release this music? So I uh, changed my name, I mean, not legally, but my name is Solitaire <laughs> Miles. That's the name my parents gave me at birth. But I started a second band called Susie Blue and the Lonesome Fellas because I wanted to differentiate between the straight-ahead jazz stuff that I've been recording and the right. Western swing music, which was much more playful and actually a lot more marketable. Um, more folks tend to gravitate towards the Susie Blue material than they did the serious jazz. And there's nothing wrong with serious jazz, I guess. It just has a smaller audience. But uh, I started working with uh, some wonderful musicians like um, Howard Levy, who's a, a well-known Grammy-winning harmonica player, 
Um, and, uh, you know, he helped me loosen up my chops quite a bit. And we started recording more of a roots and bluesy country sound. Um, our first album was strict 1940s Western swing. And then this, uh, we did a second album, Bye Bye Blues, which was also very uh, 40s and 50s oriented with the Western swing. And then this is our third album, Blue Train. And we kind of loosened it up to incorporate some country blues. Well, and the title cut. We're going to get to right now, and it's titled Blue Train. Tell us about this one. Tell us about the song. Well, uh, that's a great original tune. I think it's been recorded before by a couple other artists. Um, a wonderful songwriter um, in Los Angeles said, hey, do you want to record one of my songs? And um, I took it, and it's just a simple blues, and we recorded it in a beautiful studio on a early June day, and I had just given the band chocolate cupcakes as a treat. So they were all oh. in a good mood. You know, you have to feed the musicians, right? Yeah. And uh, it was a fun tune. It was a blues. And they didn't have to be particular about, you know, structure or anything. We hadn't re- even rehearsed it. And I'm like, well, what do you guys want to do? Because I have, you know, really good players like Howard and Neil Alger, our guitar player. And I mean, all of the band are top shelf players in Chicago that play a variety of genres and they just did what they wanted to. I said, well, let's make it upbeat. And that's all I had to tell them. And that's how it came out. That was our second take um, without any rehearsals. Oh, wow. Incredible. Wow. And who doesn't love chocolate? I'm telling you that that's just that helped. That helped. (laughs) Well, let's take a listen to Blue Train. We're going to come back and talk with Susie Blue, Miss Solitaire Miles. You're listening to Live from Nashville. Cold steel rails, old wooden ties, black as cold smoke against some cloudy skies. Blue Train took my baby away.
You know, it was like being on a train ride in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're not it, kidding. You've got top shelf performers there, don't you? Yes, I'm very lucky. Uh, we have wonderful players in the Chicago area. Several of those guys are Grammy winners or Grammy nominees. And, you know, to get them to travel, we perform mostly in the Midwestern area, but to get them far out of town, they want money. <laughs> We yes. don't tour a lot, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> but um, they are wonderful players, and to get them into the studio, it's always a treat. You know, vocally as well, I always, um, because Gary is a fan of your of your work, I've also become a fan. You know, I've gotten to hear your songs on his radio shows through the years, and so it's really cool for me to get a chance to, to visit with you today. And oh, thank just you. To, as a as a fellow vocalist, you are just, you are also top shelf. The way that you are able to, to put those vocals, what I call, in the pocket. And when you're working with musicians like the quality that you are, um, you are just one, you're one of the instruments as well. And it, that seems like an odd thing to say, but when you play with a jazz band or with a Western swing band, you your vocals are really part of the instrumentation and you do such a beautiful job of stylizing your voice to make the song even more fun and like the vocal choice you made to speak at the end oh my gosh it's so it's so cute i love it well thank you i'm i'm very honored uh, for for to hear you say that thank you um the the end of the song was just patter we didn't know where we were going with it, and we hadn't yeah. you know, arranged it because it was a simple blues. And they just kept right. playing, and I guess they figured, well, the the engineer will cut it off. But I liked what they were doing. They were talking to each other with their instruments. And so I made up the pattern myself after, you know, we recorded it. I put it in there, um, like, in the studio really probably clever. a week later. Because I didn't want to cut yeah. it off because the the guys were having so much fun. You know, when the musicians are having fun, you really hear it. Definitely. You can definitely hear it in the song. But your vocals and, like, the patter that you do at the end as well, it just it adds to the fun of the song. And that's what makes you such a great vocalist. You're able to make those choices and have the confidence to do that. And so, well, you know, you. that's what makes your music fun. 
the, the growing up in and I studied classical music first just to learn technique. But then when you go uh-huh. into jazz, um, you learn to become a part of the band. I worked with a pianist yes. in Chicago named Willie Pickens, and nobody ever wanted to sing with Willie because he was a great soloist and he would play a lot of notes. And so I had to become like part of the rhythm section when I worked with him. And by doing that, it gets you, you know what I mean, to, to learn the phrasing yes. and the timing. Um, it, whether it's jazz or country or rock, when you have a musician who plays a lot of notes, <laughs> you learn yes. to step back and listen and support them. <laughs> right. So I think and that's probably where that came from. Give everybody a chance and to shine. Yeah. It's, a, it's such a blast to get together with a group of talented musicians like that and create something. Well, now, Susie, do you, do, do all, are you all in the studio together? Because so many times today people are not. You know, this person comes in and does this part, and this person comes in, but it sounds like you're in the studio together recording. Oh, yes. The, all of Blue Train was recorded in the studio together. Once in a while, I'll put out a single, like, you know, during the lockdown, we would record our parts separately if we did a single. Um, but I record all of my albums properly. Um, you know, our studio has several booths, <laughs> and um, nobody ever comes in unless they have to dub something. You know, like say somebody played a wrong note and they need to go in and fix it, which, of course, right. rarely happens. Um, right. But no, we're re- recording all of that stuff live. Oh, together. that's great! That's great. We're getting ready to go well, in and, and do another one, hopefully this summer. So, wow! I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Well, I'm going to get to another song. This one is called "Palm of Your Hand." Tell us a little bit about how this one was included. Oh wow! Okay, this is a song that came out, I think, in 1962. And it's sort of a crossover. Um, It's well-known in Europe, actually. A lot of folks like it there. And they dubbed it a popcorn genre. And I'm not exactly (laughs) sure what that means, but in the 70s and 80s, a lot of European dance clubs took the original uh, version of the song, which is done by a singer named Dolly Lyon, who's from the Chicago area. Um, And... uh, it was more of an R&B blues sound, and um, it became very popular in Belgium. And um, I just thought it was a wonderful kind of sassy tune that we could put our own little take on. And um, we did. I'm glad you like it. it it's such I a do. fun song. I do. Let's take a listen to Palm of Your Hand. We're talking with Solitaire Miles today on Live from Nashville. No one else is on 
thinking of you all the time. So tell me how you got me. Please tell me how you got me. Well, tell me how you got me in the palm of your Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to live from Nashville. And um, Solitaire, I've got to ask you about the album cover for this. Who is oh, the sure. talented artist that does these album covers? Well, my side job is uh, being a graphic artist, and I illustrate book covers for a lot of different book companies like Random House. And wow. um, I illustrated book covers for Harlequin Romance. So if you see a pirate ravishing a maiden, that could be one of mine. Nice. <laughs> um, and so I, and I knew that was you. I knew that was you. <laughs> but but I, I just wanted to ask the question that way because you are so super talented. And uh, Mary Kay, she, we have a friend that she's done uh, some work for, and that's Lee Roberts. And she's oh, done yeah, some stuff yeah. for Lee Lee. Yeah. Oh, I love those yeah. covers. Yes. Yeah. But, Lee Lee uh, has great ideas. She does. She does. But you are so talented. How did you get started in that? Well, I was an only child, and I had two pushy grandmothers. One was a singer, and the other <laughs> one was a professional artist. Um, okay. We have artists on the other side of the family. I, one, one of my cousins actually works at Disney. So Grandma wanted Grandma 1 wanted me to be a singer, and Grandma 2 wanted me to be an artist. And, you know, when you're an only child, it's a lot of pressure, so you have to learn it all. Yes. <laughs> Because I actually pay my to keep the lights on with the artwork, which is which is a sad story in America when a starving artist makes more money than a musician. Isn't it so sad? That's sad. That is sad. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Well, you do beautiful work, and it's a great looking cover. And uh, as is all of your album covers. And uh, thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So we're going to watch our time 
today, and uh, I want to get to another song, and this one is called Oh, How I Miss You Tonight. So tell us a little bit about how this song made it to the album. Isn't that a great tune? I mean, a lot of people have covered that song um, in the the 50s, I think, and and in the early 60s. Uh, My introduction to it was with Kay Starr, who um, had a hit with it in 1958, I think. And, you know, Kay was a wonderful singer. She had such a unique voice, but she could also cross over genres like country and popular music and jazz and big band. So what an incredibly talented woman, one of my all-time favorite singers. And um, if you ever get a chance to hear her version of it, it just rocks the house. And so that actually inspired us all the way down to the background vocals. We had a wonderful background singer on that named Mike Harvey, who used to sing for Steely Dan, and he does a lot of vocal work here in Chicago. And he's really talented. And, of course, our saxophonist, Eric Schneider. Well, let's take a listen to Oh, How I Miss You Tonight. We're talking with Susie Blue, Miss Solitaire Miles. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Live from Nashville. Oh, 
that is the amazing Susie Blue, our guest today, and um, our guest today on Live from Nashville, Solitaire Miles. Solitaire, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. You know, that song is just, I can just see the dance floor, everybody dancing, you know? It's just beautifully produced. If you ever get a chance to hear Kay's version, it will give you goosebumps. You know what? I I, You read my mind. I thought the same thing. (laughs) I don't know if it could be any better produced than what you did, though. It's just, that is such a lush beautiful production you didn't think you know it's just gorgeous um, i solitary a few thought, hours on that mix <laughs> me and my engineer we put a little elbow grease i mixed did you with mix the engineer it? yeah i, I mix and ma- and i mastered it myself too i've had a, the, the Holy cow. i've had studio one <laughs> like i've had one class in engineering so but you know it helps you're when you're a singer to know what they're doing yeah, I agree. I agree. I've sat behind many an engineer, but I've yep. never, ever attempted to master. That's very impressive. Very impressive. Oh, thank you. Um, how can our audience find your music, Solitaire? What's the best way for everyone to connect with you? Well, we're all over the Internet, but they can find our website, which is SusieBlueLonesomeFellas.com. Okay. Uh, we have uh, everything streaming, you know, on iTunes and Spotify and Pandora. Um, you can download our music from Amazon and iTunes. We also love using Bandcamp. You can find us at SusieBlueLonesomeFellas.Bandcamp.com. Very nice. Uh, Bandcamp gives us a bigger, cut, a bigger cut of the sales than the other oh, yeah. promo packages do. Um, and we're on Facebook, and I kind of let go of Twitter. I I couldn't do it anymore. Um, the Twitter thing, <laughs> I, I just me too. too much. And you know, me but we are on TikTok. <laughs> One last thing, I do I do want to remind our audience that Susie Blue and the Lonesome Fellas can can perform at your event. You know, these guys are musicians. They're they're happy to travel, and you can you can book them. Um, so that oh, sometimes yeah. I think well, people forget that when they have a gala event or a, a special anniversary party or a concert that they want to put on, um, yes. you know, you and you and the guys, you can hop on plane and be out there. So keep that in mind. If you love this music, um, you know, musicians, we we do perform live, and she can be there right there um, with her thank band. You. So yes. that's pretty exciting. People people get wrapped up in buying your records and they don't always think about I know. About I know. But and there I are bet still live performances that are going still live performances going on around the country. Thank goodness they're back. And uh oh, I know. and so I, I be great. Well listen, you have been fantastic. I appreciate so much you taking the time to join us today and uh visit her on social, visit her website, get her music many, many albums that are available for you to purchase and uh, and do that today. But we're going to close this out with another great song. This one's called, this was so much fun. As a matter of fact, Susie, or Solitaire, I don't know which name to call you because I go oh, back Oh, either's fine. <laughs> but Solitaire, uh, 
this was so much fun. I enjoy going through and listening to a full album and just picking out songs from that that I love and uh, and want to share with the audience because you can't get them all in a, in a show. But this is called Chills and oh, Fever. Sure. <laughs> how, how, did, how did Chills and Fever come about? This is so much fun. Uh, I'm sorry? How did Chills and Fever end up on oh, the Chills album? and Fever. Oh, um, well, that's such a great, sassy little uh, tune. You know, actually, I'm making a video for it right now. It's funny you picked that. Uh, we're oh, about halfway done, done with the video. Um, it's a blues song, but so many people have done it. Tom Jones did it in the late 60s, you know, and, you know, really? Tom with the swerving pelvis um, yeah. and the go-go dancers. But we, we put our own little bluesy, you know, sound to it. And I've got wonderful background vocals by... Jennifer uh, Zayas, who's a friend of mine and a great uh, Western singer as well here in the Chicago area. And um, so we just had fun with it. And, you know, we weren't sure which direction it was going to go in, but I think we we applied our Chicago sound to it. So you did a great job <laughs> on this. You did a great job on this. It's a fun, fun song. It's Chills and Fever. And our very special guest today has been Solitaire Miles. Solitaire, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we look Thank forward to having you back. Me. All right. Chills and Fevers, take a listen. You can call 
same show <laughs> i thought the same thing <laughs> it's so cool how those little things work out it just Completely happened that different way song. it just happened that way but anyway it was great to have them with us today and uh are you having any fun yet with life from nashville i'm having fun every, right. every week all right. Well, that's great. That's great. I'm glad you are. We hope that you out there are having fun listening and joining us. And we invite you to join us every Saturday beginning at noon Central Standard Time for Live from Nashville. And we remind you to join us on Thursdays at noon Central Standard Time for Campfire Cafe and Saddle Up America. And uh, we'll have great guests, great interviews, and great music and poetry coming your way. Well, we're going to wrap this show up, Mary Kay. It's uh, it's it's time to hit the trails here in Nashville, Tennessee. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right. Let's wrap this up with a great song from Carolyn Seals. It's called Let the Teardrops Fall, and we'll see you next Saturday on Live from Nashville. 